She's like, yeah, I'd take down that evil sorcerer, dude. Totally. Hello, and welcome to Bibble Babes, your podcast for analyzing the Barbie cinematic universe. I'm Gabby. And I'm Catherine. And, and we're, we're your, your Bibble Babes. On today's episode, we're moving on to the third movie in the Barbie film series, Barbie of Swan Lake. Barbie of Swan Lake was released to video and DVD in 2003 and is the third installment in the BCU. It stars the voice talent of Kelly Sheridan as Barbie and as Odette and is directed by Owen Hurley and written by Alana Lesser and Cliff Ruby. It's loosely based on the Tchaikovsky Ballet Swan Lake, which is inspired by German and Russian folktales. So again, we still kind of have that same thing going on where this is a story within a story uh, where Barbie tells this to a uh, younger sister, Kelly. A horrifyingly animated sister, what Kelly. Have, what have we been calling the story within a story thing? Like a Frame story? Frame story. Frame yeah. story. And so she is at a summer camp and she is scared of spending the night away from home. So in order to make her less afraid, I guess, uh, Barbie tells her the story of Swan Lake. We're right back at it to frame stories that just don't make sense. I have no idea how the story of Swan Lake would make you okay with going to sleepaway camp. It makes no sense. If anything, like the weird transformations that occur throughout the entire plot would in fact only, I think, keep a child up at night. I think so. So we enter the story of Swan Lake and we have a protagonist, Odette, who is hashtag not like other girls and thinks that her horse riding adventurous sister is lame. But arguably, I'd say Odette is the lame one because like her sister's out here riding horseback and like going on adventures and Odette's just like lame. I'm like, you're lame, Odette. I mean, she like likes dancing and baking, but I don't, uh, she just like has an attitude towards the other like her sister because like the sister is the only mm-hmm. girl around her you really see f- at first. And the attitude she has towards her sister is like, even though she is unwilling to hang out with her sister or tr- like, you know do the things with her sister she like almost seems to have this like she looks down on her sister almost it's like weird. the energy you get. it's like really weird especially considering like how the rest of the story unfolds it's so strange so anyway while Odette is chilling at her dad's bakery making some extremely unevenly sized cinnamon buns it bothered me how they were different sizes it just i hated it it makes no sense they would not cook evenly she's a horrible baker also this is so interesting that i remembered but this is also one of the like times in the frame storytelling that because barbie is telling this story to kelly kelly was like that's not my favorite kind of cookie and the story of like odette in swan lake pauses the cookie changes to kelly's favorite cookie and then the story keeps going it's so weird it never happens again and i don't think we ever see that in another movie either so it's weird anyway she's at the bakery and a unicorn races through town and the girl who just said horse riding's too dangerous runs after the unicorn homegirl i i think really what bothers me the most about her is just like you don't have you're supposed to be you know showing and not telling but this movie neither shows or tells <laughs> so weird. why she does anything that she does. Yeah, like there is no real. seeming like seeming justification in her character or like her previous actions or like things she says that like make any of her actions make sense. Uh, yeah, absolutely not. So she follows this horse, this unicorn, sorry, through a magical portal that leads to the enchanted forest. 
because that's just been there the whole time. Clearly, you yeah. know, that's just there. Nobody's noticed yet, but she did because she's special. <laughs> Hashtag not like other girls. Yeah. So once she's in the forest, she discovers that the unicorn Lila. Yeah, that's Lila. I don't like Lila. Yeah, she's. How dare they give us a unicorn I don't like? I would Literally, love to like a unicorn. One, one. First things first. That animation of her is egregious. Absolutely terrifying. Like it. That gave me like it made me uncomfy. Night paralysis demon. <laughs> Lila the night paralysis demon, and then her like she's characterization. Annoying. She's like and not annoying in the way where you're like, oh, she's just like too passionate about one thing and like people get tired of her no she's like annoying in the way where she has all this bravado that does nothing like she's like yeah i'd take down that evil sorcerer dude totally Uh, yeah and then has no like she can't back up anything she says and that's what makes her annoying Yeah. yeah she's like all barking no bite pretty much um so yeah she's we do not stand Lila essentially tells Odette to get lost because, like we said, Lila is the worst. But before she does, she finds a magical gem and planted into a tree, which she is able to remove with the power of hashtag plot convenience. She then cuts Lila free, who, by the way, was tied up with a rope to a tree this entire time while she's telling off Odette. Yeah. Because, she you knows she has no brain cells. The townspeople tried to, like, capture her for some reason. Yeah. And then she got, and they threw a rope around her, and then it got tangled in a tree, and now she's stuck, so Odette had to cut her free. Yeah, but she tells off Odette the entire time. It's like, oh my god. And, of course, the only thing that could cut this rope is a random, like, glowing stone thing that Odette finds. It's so random. Like, why, first off, why do you think this is going to be able to cut the rope? And second off, the, the fact that she is able to remove it with the sheer power of plot convenience, plot convenience is heinous. It's horrible. I hate it. So anyway, now that she has the magic gem that no one else could remove because they're not Odette, the fairy queen of the enchanted forest appears and plot dumps. So... I just realized the gem is like the literal like personification of hashtag not like other girls. Literally. Other girls cannot grab this gem. But Odette can. But Odette can because she's not like other girls. She's not like other girls. She's special. The gem said so. Anyway, the fairy queen shows up. And so apparently her and her brother fought for power over the enchanted forest. And technically the fairy queen won, but he's more powerful and so he turned all the magical elves of the forest into animals to be his servants. Uh, some of them escaped, however, and they now hang out with her. But she's only able to transform them back into humans at night because the fairy queen is kind of weak. She kind of sucks and her animation's horrific. Yeah, that was my immediately thought. Like my immediate thought when I think of her is just like, wow, her face is like aggressive Uncanny Valley. It's really bad. I like she does not look like a person yeah also so the elves right they're made out of the kelly and tommy doll models so they're basically children which is so weird because one of them is like always trying to romance one of the others and i'm like the little like hedgehog and the skunk i hate it yeah that's like it's really weird and uncomfy the skunk is named carlita and she is essentially the stereotype of the french maid which is so uncomfy they gave this little baby an accent it was like so gross like uh, french babies have accents yes but the way that they like used it as a means of like almost sexying her up even though she's in the animated body of a child is horrendous like that is she's like disgusting french and also spanish at the same time it's weird because later she does the flamenco i think 
so weird i can't it's, yeah it, and it was very obviously done just to like i think one spoof off of pepe Le Pew, two sexy her up which she's a child leave her alone i hate it and then also weird and comfy that they're children and this sorcerer dude is trying to make them do his bidding can we just make them actual fairy people or elf people or whatever they are instead of children um and then it was a choice and i don't approve of this choice i don't approve of it either. also the fa- the fairy queen won even though she's less powerful and again i feel like this is just sheer like well she had to so it's that's gonna be the way that it is yeah they're just really doing everything for the plot here the plot the plot oh my god the plot so this gem the reason why it's so special and gets to choose the ones that are not like other girls um is that it's the only thing that can stop the fairy queen's evil brother rothbart and now odette is you know the hashtag chosen one assigned chosen one by rock (laughs) um so the fairy queen magically makes odette a crown to keep the gem in so it's on her at all times which there has to be like secure ways of keeping the gem on her person than a crown it was a weird choice every choice in this movie is so weird like this movie is weird this movie is so weird it kind of makes me want to like see the full-on like ballet or like the story just because i'm gonna be like what did barbie do differently because the ballet is really dark like odette dies at the end of the ballet yeah i think the ballet you know is rather beautiful this is just like a hot mess. A hot mess. It's not even a hot mess. It's just a mess. It's just, it's just a full-on mess. So then Rothbart shows up with his obnoxious daughter, Odile. They are giant eagles with human faces. It, well, sort of. Human eyes and eyebrows. It's weird. So the reason that Rothbart shows up is because I guess he's just somehow aware that the gem has been obtained. <laughs> because plot it. reasons. <laughs> <laughs> his gem sense is tingling. Yeah. And so they transform, so they fly in as eagles, they transform back into humans, and they notice that, you know, the gem is in the possession of this random person named Odette. So he tries to kill her, but the gem protects her. Because plot. Anyway. um, Plot armor to the max. Plot armor. The gem is literally plot armor. It is. And instead, because he can't kill her, he curses her to become a swan and leaves with his daughter in tow. So now Odette is a swan, hence the name Swan Lake. Anyway, the fairy queen, who is weak, as we've mentioned before, can't turn her fully back into human, but she can make her human at night, like the elves. It is then decided that Lila and Odette will travel to see the troll, Aramis, who has the book that will tell them how to use the magical gem to free them from Rothbart's rule. Because even though all of them have been anticipating someone who will be able to remove this gem and save them, none of them know anything about about it including yep. the fairy queen they really just said we'll we'll go back to the library to check out that book when we need it i mean gotta love a library but are we really like i'm sorry if it's, the fate it's of bad your entire prep. if the fate of your entire forest which is essentially like the entire world that you live in depends on knowing how to use this gem when the person who obtains it is the you know chosen one and obtains it 
Why why would you not keep that information on hand? It's giving middle schooler who gets poster boards the night before a project is due. Yes. And then they make it like Odette's problem. That's one I thing know. I will give my girl Odette. Poor Odette. She really just got thrown she into really this. She really just got thrown into this. Like, I'm mad props for, you know, taking up everything they threw at her. But, like, also, she was like, I'm going to go help a defenseless animal. And then they're like, oh, you're the chosen one. Now you have to fight a sorcerer war and you're a bird. And also, you have to, like, do everything because yeah. we don't even know how to use this gem thing. Because you're that the is hashtag chosen one. Yeah, they really, they just, like, let her off to dry. Like, yeah. Wow. So, they're terrified because Lila has heard legends that the troll has beady eyes, a hunched back, and a taste for human flesh, which is so dark for a kid's movie. And we will return to why this is extra problematic later. More on why Lila is the worst. We don't like Lila. So once they get to Aramis, how it turns out that he's like this harmless little goofball that I kind of stand. He's probably the he's best character great. in the movie. Like, Honestly love him. Um, they are unable to find the book. And so they go back to the swan pond where Odette is now a swan. Yeah. Ka-chow. Ka-chow. Meanwhile, Rothbart has been conspiring to kill Odette. So she can't be killed by magic, which means he can't do it. But he decides... Wait, because no magical creature can kill her because she wears the gem? Why does he know that? I don't know! They know nothing else about this gem, but he's like, well, no magical creature can kill her while she's wearing it. Like, where does he get that information No idea. No idea. So he decides to lure a human hunter into the enchanted forest to kill her as a prize swan. Unfortunately for Rothbart, he chooses the prince, Prince Daniel. Most likely to commit bestiality anyway. Yeah! He lures Prince Daniel in to kill her, but he's so dazzled by her swan beauty that he can't go through with it. And then when she transforms back into a human, he's like immediately attracted to her. Like, dude really saw swan girl and was like, this is what I'm into. He was not thinking with his brain. No. He like not his what, brain. In what world does do you see someone transform from a bird into a person and immediately go like not why is this happening? Not oh my god, this person was just a bird, or were they a bird first or a human first? You go, that's hot. Like what? What is this man on? No idea. <laughs> so crazy. So. They spend the whole night hanging out together. Um, he turns out to be this, you know, prince, Prince Daniel. One thing I will give him, he is not as horrifying looking as some of the other princes we've seen. Yeah, facts. Um, but she just, like, plot dumps on him. Just she immediately. probably just, like, affirm to us what the plot is because yeah. God knows in this film. And so he's up to speed. And even though he can't really help her become fully human again, he's like, come to this ball that my castle is throwing. Come be my date. And marry me, maybe? Again. Even though you're half swan? This man has no thoughts other than just... I. He wants to kiss her and more. Yeah. Like, bro, take a step back. Like, take a step take back. Take a chill pill, okay? Can't you find a non-bird girlfriend? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, the way Adet just kind of goes along with it, like, yeah, no, I'm so into him. Girl, girl, if he is giving, prioritizing your like face you and your what? beauty over the fact that you are literally becoming a swan every single day, maybe he doesn't have your best interests at heart. It's giving Bella Swan. Oh my God, I wonder where that's her, where her last name came from. 
I don't know, man. She has no thought. Just no like thought. the protagonist of Spotlight. Oh my god. So eventually Aramis finds this book and it turns out that she can be turned human again with the power of true love's kiss. How convenient, considering she just met hot prince boy who invited her to a ball. And is super into her. Yeah. Um also you're telling me that these people live in this fairy tale world and they've never heard of like true love's kiss. Yeah. And that wasn't their like first guess. Anyway, anyway. Uh, again, with them just not knowing anything about how this gem works and magic works, even though they're literally like elves and a fairy queen. But so the next night, the elves and the fairy queen help her learn how to dance because she's going to a ball, even though she's a swan. Yeah. When I will give credits for this, though, Gabby, that dress. So beautiful. That is it's probably one of my favorite dresses in the BCU, which is so sad to me because this film is one of the worst i know she has the best dress in my opinion it is beautiful i love it so much but i don't like the movie like the colors like the way it looks like feathers the sparkle the sparkle stunning again they do really really well with like the dancing sequence Mm -hmm. because they're um mocapping people i believe yep however again coming back to the little children the way that they make these uh this hedgehog and skunk purse that kids have this weirdly tension filled moment while they're dancing i'm like that's so bad it's weird get out just done it takes me away from the story yep same so then Rothbard and Odile show up out of nowhere, kidnap Aramis to demand information on the gem. Okay, why do you guys know nothing about it? You think that would be like super villain 101, like no one can defeat you, you know? Also, the way they literally already know that they need a human to kill her, why are they so concerned about the rest? I, whatever. No idea. Whatever. So now the gang must go and rescue Aramis from Rothbard's keep before Odette can go on her date. Meanwhile, Rothbard and Odile go to this ball uh, with Odile magically disguised as Odette because I believe with the book they've discovered that if Prince Daniel, who Odette is in love with, confesses and professes his love to someone else, that will render the gem powerless because plot reasons. Yes. Um, and so they're like, you know, if Odile is magically disguised as Odette, gets Prince Daniel to profess his love to her, this will run to the gem powerless and will lead to Odette's death. Yeah. Because, you know, you know, let's get dark, apparently. A man breaks her heart and homegirl just goes down. Like, <laughs> apparently. So Odile and Daniel dance. Honestly, okay. Controversial opinion. I feel like Odile was done dirty. I used to love her dress as a kid. It's a beautiful dress. She just did it, needed a different haircut. She needed a different haircut and she needed a different voice and a different means of referring to her father. She refers to him as daddy. In like the most whiny. Do I need to play? Yeah, I think with this fair, like again with our ferret moment, we just need to we have need audio to show of it. this in the podcast to explain why this is so uncomfortable honestly like it's uncomfortable i am pulling it up not to be like it's like not even like projecting weird like okay okay, people use that word but the way she says it for various reasons and the way she says it it's so leans in one particular direction that is not necessarily family friendly and matched up with like 
how this father and daughter interact with each other, it's just massively uncomfortable. So it, go ahead, go ahead and give us the audio, Geb Geb. What is that? Like, that is... I hate it. Who gave this voice actress that direction vocally and was like, you know what this needs to sound like? This. Like, so bad. So gross. Criminal. I, mm, I hate it. Anyway. So, Odile and Daniel dance, which causes Daniel to profess his love to Odile. Keep in mind, because her voice is so different from Odette's, she hasn't said a word this whole time. And the man's really out there like... I like the silent swan girl. I love her. She should marry me. He has no thoughts. None. He's just such aggressively... He reminds me of Prince Eric. Yeah. Not from Barbie, from Little Mermaid. But it's just like the idea that he just sees her and she is beautiful Mm -hmm. and she doesn't say things. So he wants her. This profession of love to Odile causes Odette, who has made it to the castle... Just in time to see this collapse. Like, she just, it is the funniest sequence in the entire film because it's she's hilarious. like weirdly hovering outside the window as a swan. He can, f- like, he professes his love to Odile and she just like dramatically faint falls to the ground as a swan. And it is so funny. Best part of the film, like, had me cackling. I know she's low key di- dying, but it's hilarious. Which is how you know they've done something wrong. You're like, oh, your protagonist is dying and the audience is laughing. Anyway, you've made mistakes. Odile is then revealed to Daniel to not be Odette. And he's like, oh, man, wrong girl. Oopsie daisy. Oopsie daisy. I've just been bamboozled. Daniel. Ugh. So Rothbart's outside and he takes the crystal from the unconscious Odette. And then transforms the fairy queen into a mouse. Because she also showed up while this was happening. Daniel then rushes to Odette's side. Takes her hand in his in an act of true love. Rothbart then tries to kill them both. But because they're holding hands in true love. The spell With back- this unconscious dying woman. He grabs her hand. This unconscious dying woman. And the gem was like, sounds like true love to me. Yep. Because plot reasons. Because plot. So the power of the true love hand-holding causes the spell to backfire on Rothbart, and he is defeated. The kingdom and the enchanted forest then rejoice. Odette and Daniel get married, and Rothbart is turned into a cuckoo clock, while Odile becomes a maid in Aramis's library. And all of this, this, is what they decided was going to give Kelly the courage to stay overnight at summer camp and join in a race the following day. <laughs> it's just so absurd. Like, what does this have to do with staying overnight at summer camp? Like, what a great frame story if what was inside of it actually made sense yeah. with the frame story and at all. Yeah, because that's like something little girls go through, like being afraid of overnight camp. Yeah. No, no correlation to the story. Like, literally, yeah, little kids get spooked when they're away from home, maybe for the first time, and need some comforting, but this is not the way to do it. Yeah. I don't even think there's a moral to the Swan Lake story. Like, what, what would it don't be? Don't be Lila. That's a good moral. Don't be a Lila. <laughs> I literally just... I hate every character but Aramis. 
Aramis is the best character. He is the best character. He gets absolutely like no screen time, but he is in fact the best. And everyone else is just somehow the worst. Like I have, I'll Horrible. give a little bit credit to Odile because she's like, I feel like she's been raised to be this way, and she could use with being taken down a peg. She but Homegirl needs some better influences and a better haircut. She- Oh, her haircut is awful for some reason. My okay, the one thing I will say also about Odile's hair, about getting Homegirl a better hairstylist and some better influences, we've kind of keep going with Barbie's move so far in the BCU of making villains aesthetically unpleasing. Cause like she like Odile is like genuinely very pretty. Like she her is. haircut is awful. If she just had a different if she, haircut, if she had like the same flowing hair in her like black hair as Odette has in her blonde hair, she would be stunning. Yeah. Like, legitimately. And also, maybe not, like, her everyday dress. That's kind of ugly. But, like, her, like, ballet dress is really pretty. Yeah. I honestly loved it as a kid. So, now that we've brought up the appearance of our villains, we must segue to the elephant in the room for Barbie of Swan Lake. And that is the presence of anti-Semitism in the film. It is so bad. Like, it it's is just so bad. apparent that, like, upon rewatching as not a child, it was like, whoa, that no one, no one put a stop to that. No one Nobody had any said, second thoughts about this. Hey, guys, maybe we don't. <laughs> so. Catherine and I are not experts on anti-Semitism, nor are we Jewish, but it's important to discuss this issue. We did research, but are by no means claim to be experts, and it's very unfortunate that we have to discuss this within the Barbie cinematic universe, but it must be addressed. If you are not in a good place to hear discussions on anti-Semitism, then feel free to click off this podcast, and we hope you turn into our next episode. So... There's like this whole thing with fairy tales that they have been polluted by a lot of anti-Semitism over the centuries. The centuries. And because this is based on a fairy tale and no one has put any critical thought and or like actual decency into retellings, um, it has just remained that way. And so when... Barbie Cinematic Universe decided to do their take on Swan Lake. They just no critical thought about putting everything in because Rothbart and Odile are essentially Jewish caricatures. Rothbart has this long, sharp face with a massive beak-like nose to the point where, like, that is not like anatomically proportionate at all. It's like it's huge. It is probably half the size of his face. Oh yeah. In a way that it does not, like, it is beyond a caricature, you know what I mean? Like, it's not even just like, oh, wow, that's a big nose. It's like, wow, you have intentionally made something unrealistically large. Mm-hmm. And um, both Rothbart and Ardeal are portrayed as evil, controlling, and I don't know if you can notice it in our plot summary, but above all, greedy. The whole reason Rothbart wants to get rid of the Fairy Queen is he wants to take over all of the Enchanted Forest. He has this massive castle that he took over. Odile is always going on about like the newest outfit she wants, all of these gems that she wants her dad to get for her. Like Everything they do kind of boils down to their presentation is greedy. 
Yeah, and it's sort of implied that they want to take over so that they can accumulate more wealth. How they would do that in the Enchanted Forest, I don't know. But that's what they want. I mean, the the elves are literally animal children, so I'm not really sure what they think they'll be accumulating anyway. Anyway. But it's just the fact that that was their motivation for no reason, because, again, animal elf children... And especially the motivation of greed combined with their appearances reads as very anti-Semitic and is really in line with those anti-Semitic ideas and also Nazi propaganda. They also transform into eagles, which is even more damning, as in our research we came across a quote from a Nazi propagandist, Julius Stryker, from the children's book Der Giftblitz, which translates to the poisonous mushroom. And in that book, he writes, One can most easily tell a Jew by his nose. The Jewish nose is bent at its point. It looks like the number six. We call it the Jewish six. Many Gentiles also have bent noses, but their noses bend upwards, not downwards. Such a nose is a hook nose or an eagle nose. He's comparing the Jewish nose to an eagle's beak, which, like, exactly matches the fact that Rothbart literally turns into an eagle. Like, I think the whole point that the animators were trying to do when they made him his, like, human self was keep the features of the bird on him, but they did that by turning his beak into his nose. So his nose literally looks like a beak, and combined with this history of Nazi propaganda, just, it becomes, like, this aggressively anti-Semitic caricature. Yes, because there's an association in anti-Semitism about Jewish people and birds like like eagles for some reason and beak-like qualities and that translates here um it's it's gross i hate it especially because like our other character who turns into a bird in no way resembles a swan yeah like there was no reason for rothbart and odile to continue resembling birds so much when they became people again In the way that Odette does not resemble a swan when she becomes a person again. Yeah. Um, So we also see some anti-Semitism in the depiction of Aramis, which is criminal because he's the best character. Yes. Um, But while Aramis is a protagonist, he still falls prey to that. Goblins, trolls, and dwarves are portrayed with aggressively negative Jewish stereotypes in anti-Semitic propaganda and fairy tales. So there's also the comment that Lila makes about, because she's the worst, um, <laughs> makes about their fears of Aramis when she says, Scary doesn't even cover it. Trolls have beady eyes, hulking bodies. Oh, and they eat human flesh. Which is on, like a common anti-Semitic myth, that, uh, which is that of blood libel, where Jewish people will steal Christian children to eat and or use them in blood sacrifices. So his being a troll paired with his fair, uh, Lila's fear of him eating humans fits in with those stereotypes it's just bad like he is on his own just like this kind of like a little adorable goofball but the fact that they were like not only must he be a troll he must also be feared for eating he must be feared for no reason because again the fairy queen sends them to him to go get this information. So they, the him and the fairy queen have obviously interacted before. He's not a random, unfamiliar character that people are unfamiliar... Like, they, sh- they shouldn't be unfamiliar with him. So they should know who he is as a person. Mm-hmm. 
But still, these ideas about him and what he does are rampant, apparently, through this enchanted forest. And they paired that with, like, him being this, like, beady, eating human flesh type thing. And, like, what was the point of that? Like, was Lila trying to be, like, the comedic relief in this scene where she was like, oh, my God, he's the worst. He does this, this, and this. Why, though? Like, why? There, there's there's no reason for that to be to in there. To need to be there. And it, like, it, yeah. And it is a common thread you see with things like trolls and goblins in fairy tales. But that's because in those originally f- original fairy tales, they were anti-Semitic portrayals. Yeah. So like, so it, like even so it just like trickles down into like all retellings. Then some, well, not all. Well, you know what I, 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 I know. <laughs> like I get what you mean because it's in the original fairy tale, and that was the intent of the people telling those fairy tales because people are trying to recreate those fairy tales in something like a Disney movie or um, a Barbie movie or whatever it is it comes through because Mm -hmm. that's an original part of that fairy tale I mean think about the goblins in Harry Potter which everyone if you're familiar with Harry Potter um, has kind of reflected back on and realized is like you know calls back on those same anti-Semitic caricatures because they're goblins. They have, like, noses that are large and not at all like the noses of everyone else in the films or the books. And they literally run a bank. So they are, like, and they're seen as very, very greedy and money-hungry. And in no way does this, like, exonerate J.K. Rowling? Because, one, she is the worst. And, two, um, she didn't, like, put any effort into unpacking any of the stereotypes that she put into her book. But, like, that idea of goblins is coming from a vast history, which is why it falls into that there. It's falling into Barbie of Swan Lake as well. Yeah. So, anti-Semitism is fairly prevalent in fairy tales, especially those originating from the Germanic and Russian regions, which is exactly where this fairy tale came from, because it is based on a Russian ballet with roots in Germanic and Russian folklore. So the anti-Semitism found in this film is likely a leftover from its original sources. While anti-Semitism in folklore and fairy tales spans back centuries, the Nazi party also had a hand in shaping modern perspectives of villains in fairy tales through the descriptions and illustrations present in their fairy tale publishings. So even in fairy tales where the villain is not explicitly described in an anti-Semitic way, the illustrations that then accompanied that story would often depict the villains in that way. And then in seeing these depictions as children, it became a cultural idea of what a villain looks like. I mean, even think to stories where the goal of the villain has nothing to do with anything we just talked Mm -hmm. about. Like in, I believe, Snow White, like she, like the villain of like the, the witch who gives Snow White the apple is depicted as like, you know, being very ugly in her disguise and having having a a large large nose and so it just kind of has become this cultural idea of what a villain looks like and it's all stemming from these originally very anti-semitic fairy tales and the propaganda from the nazi party and it's just all 
yeah. like stayed in it. And that's, I think, where like we want to be very, very clear. Yes, this is stemming from a culture of anti-Semitism in like storytelling here. But be- even though it is culturally entrenched, it is not that hard to look at something and unpack everything like you know unpack a story like i'm sorry if this has been around for centuries you can look at something and go ah people were trying to make caricatures of jewish people and that's why they wrote the villain to be this way Mm -hmm. i don't want to perpetuate this so i will be changing it yeah and anyone could have done that well, I'm sure the anti-Semitism in this film was unintentional, or at least I very much hope it was unintentional. They should have been able to, in 2003, to look around them and realize what they were doing. And they probably just didn't even think about it. Yeah, it was it was definitely something they didn't think twice about. But when you are going to be crafting a movie to give to an entire generation of young children... Maybe you should be thinking about a yeah. little bit more critically what kind of messages you're putting into it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, like whether or not these messages are, you know, the moral of the story or just like the little like subliminal messages that come from a culture that has continually put stereotypes in fairy tales. Yeah. Rochelle Smith in Wonder Tales, who looks into anti-Semitism in fairy tales and folk tales, she wrote that few of us since the 1800s have had the privilege of forming fairy tales entirely in our own minds. Someone steps in to supply the pictures for us. When the pictures of these villains are supplied and these images are anti-Semitic, this cements that image in our minds when we picture fairy tales. So this also... While being a product of this cultural entrenched idea of what a villain looks like, this is also adding to it. Yes. Because when somebody sees this as a villain and they're so young, they're going to think this is what villains always look like. And because they are exposed to it over and over again, it continually cements that idea of what a villain looks like Mm -hmm. to where, like, if you're not presented any alternatives, you're just like you assume that it always must be this and by continuing to put out stories that affirm that you continually entrench that yeah while we really hope it was unintentional it's nonetheless there so we need to talk about it so that we don't see it again yeah and i hope we hope that barbie and all media do better in the future when depicting fairy tale villains so that these anti-semitic ideas can be eliminated from our media i mean like from just like a general like like storytelling and plot standpoint like when you're giving a message to kids about what what villains look like and what they do the best lesson for real life is that someone who does bad things i mean they're just going to be a person just like you like there's no need to make caricatures of particular features or anything because anyone is capable of doing bad things yeah and so i think barbie has gotten better yeah like i'm thinking of princess charm school i mean the villains in that are like stunning yeah delancey is beautiful her mom has horrible fashion choices but is you know yeah they are aggressively like western standards of beauty like they are some like model type beat yeah vibes there but so like again this came out in 2003 so barbie has had like literal decades to make more films and i would say based on what i remember of the following films that they've gotten better but it takes them a bit to do so 
And that's also, I think, stemming from, secondly, a lot of the Barbie films later on take a step away from fairy tales. Mm -hmm. And when they do, you can tell that their villains become less of a caricature again. Yeah. I think what we should, like, move to after, you know, confronting the massive elephant in the room and in this film, the film is anti-Semitic. It has caricatures of Jewish people as the antagonists. That's just, that is a fact. That is a thing. That is true. That is what the film is. It is I think what it is. The follow-up the follow with that is when you are presented with media that has these ideas and stereotypes within it, can or should you consume it? Now, Gabby and I will be writing a whole article where we do a little bit more of a deep dive into that on our blog, so check that out if you're interested. We can't address it fully in the space and the time allotted. Yeah, we yeah, it's yeah, it's just a big question and I think the best possible answer in terms of this podcast is going to be consume all media critically. Yes, be critical. Like think about that question for yourself, decide what you are comfortable with doing. If you are like you have to pay for something, are you okay with financially supporting that? Think about that question and in every bit of media that you consume consume it critically be on the lookout for the kinds of ideas that might be entrenched with like in swan lake it's coming from an anti-semitic fairy tale beyond like any retellings of it be on the lookout for things that might be just so heavily entrenched into the story the plot the moral of the story all things like that can consume it critically That, that i think this is all that we can really ask for yeah Consume critically. Here at the Bibble Babes, we just want people to spread kindness like glitter. Yes, because kindness is what we are here for. So, And also critical analysis. But that doesn't yes, really make any sense. Kindness and critical analysis in media. Please and thank you. Yes. So now it's time for our classic ranking of the film. How do you rank the overall film? Out of 10? Yes. 0.5. And that's solely for the dress. Oh, we're doing a separate dress ranking. Oh, okay. Well, if, if we're ignoring the dress, then I don't think there's a single thing I really like enjoyed about this movie like Aramis was like the best character but he has no screen time yeah every other character is the worst the plot is only for like plot like everything happens for plot reasons the character's choices are really hard to justify like they don't seemingly justify their own choices within like what they say what they do in their like the way that their characterization has been built nothing that they do really makes a lot of sense Yeah, the whole thing is just like a massive like plot contrivance and it's just the anti-Semitism on top of all of that. There's really nothing to this movie. Like the dancing is great, sure. There's other Barbie movies with dancing that do it better. There's great music. Love me the Swan Lake music. It is beautiful. But I mean, you can listen to that without watching this film. So like there's nothing to me about this film that I'm like, oh my God, okay, you got to give it this. So minus the dress, what's your ranking? Like zero. Like there's the same. There's nothing to this. Same. I agree with you. It's a zero for me. But as for the dress, what is your ranking? The only good part of this movie. I. That's like it's a it's a nine nine and a half. Like it's only a nine. I'm a ten. I love this dress. I I love this dress so very much. I think the only thing that takes away the point five or like the one point for me is the fact that it's like meant to evoke swanness and that's how she shows up to dance with prince daniel the bestiality boy and i just i can't get past the fact that he was into a swan and i'm forgetting about what other dresses look like in later barbie films and whatnot but as of now it is definitely the best dress we've seen so far and i would give it like a nine nine and a half it's a ten for me i just love this dress it's just beautiful fair enough sparkly love it so much 
In terms of like ranking besides numbers, I think, well, one, it's definitely the worst Barbie film we've seen so far because we've seen like three of them. We'll have to see if this is the worst one overall, but it's too early to say. I I think it might be. It might be. I don't. We will not, see. Like, like, I love a lot of like the later Barbie movies as well, mm-hmm. and they get a lot better at um, plot. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I just yeah. like this this film. It's not giving what it it's needs to be not giving. giving. It's not. It's not giving at all. Uh uh-uh. uh No way. So as we've said here on the Bibble Babes, this movie sucks. It's not good. It's not good. Boo. It's, um, a, it's a doozy. It's a doozy of a film. It's a downer. I would absolutely totally be down with people skipping this on their Barbie Skip movie it. binge. <laughs> and again with the... Also, critical- it's extremely hard to find anywhere, too, which True. is probably for the best. Probably so. for the best. Except give me the other Barbie movies on Netflix. Uh, yeah, Netflix. Barbie, but, yeah. give me the music for the other films on uh, Spotify, just saying, please. Um. But yeah, so again, I, with our overall message here at the Bibble Babes, please consume media critically and like us, discuss the good, the bad, and the Barbie. Join us next time for a special collab with uh, one of our good pals and political scientist, Elias Pritza, as we analyze the politics of Barbie Princess Charm School. It is so good. So fascinating. It, it was peak Bibble Babe. Like, peak it was, Bibble Babe. We Bibble Babed so good during that podcast. Please we did. tune in and check it Please out. Please tune in. So we post a new episode every other Friday. If you're new here, be sure to like and subscribe. And as always, spread kindness like glitter. Bye.